2: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
3: Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today I have a couple of guests, Meryl Gilbert and Rhiannon Wu, both from Trace Trust, Meryl Gilbert is the co-founder and CEO of Trace Trust, which is a nationwide cannabis and hemp manufacturing compliance company advocating for safe consumer experiences through HACCP training and good manufacturing process certifications. Meryl has 25 years of experience working in the food and beverage industry and has been working in cannabis for over six years. She's the past chair of the NCIA Education Committee and a current member of our Risk Management and Insurance Committee. Rhiannon is the co-founder and chief science officer of Trace Trust. She's a sought out leader in food safety development and protocol, and is an expert in good agricultural practices, good harvesting practices, and good manufacturing practices, plus HACCP and the Food Safety Modernization Act. She is the secretary of NCIA's Hemp Committee, very involved in NCIA, which I so appreciate the both of you for. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thank you, Bethany
3: excellent so let's dive right in here and get to know you both a little bit better in addition to what we shared here at the beginning uh Rhiannon let's start with you tell us more about your background and different experiences you maybe had before getting involved in this whole world of cannabis
0: sure sure so I have a traditional agricultural background I went to school to uh, grow and manage crop productions I specialized in fruit production. Um, I have been working in the ag industry, you know, for a long time. And one of the things about being in the California ag industry is that we always knew it was a when and not if that California was going to embrace um, cannabis as an agricultural product and really... Uh, showcase what we already knew was one of the big crops here in California and really just bring it to the mainstream. So in some ways, I've kind of always worked in the industry because I've kind of kept my finger on the pulse of uh, what's happening in cannabis and cannabis legalization. Um, But until around maybe six or seven years ago I was really focused on just general agriculture and then started working my way into indoor growing through general agriculture and that was kind of my first entry point into cannabis was through indoor growing and you know once you're growing crops indoors makes total sense to start growing cannabis indoors and that was really how I joined the industry but brought with it, you know, all that experience in general ag and food manufacturing and food production and kind of brought all of that experience together into when I started my cannabis journey.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's so much crossover and you're absolutely right about it being a when, not if for California, for sure. How about you, Meryl? What, what's a bit more about your background, you know, before before getting involved in cannabis?
1: Um, Thanks for asking. So, you know, my journey is a little different and it comes uh, from much more on the operations and business side. So, you know, I have um, started my career early on in in the hospitality and restaurant side and opened up um, well known and highly recognized restaurants across the country for a number of years. And then, really, in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, really started. Moving um, my inspiration and desire to be where the future of food is and food systems. This is the beginnings of sustainable agriculture, the real rise in um, in organics, and you know the future of non GMOs. But much more about um, where food is coming from, how it's going to get there. So you know, if you were going to um, want to create a product that was either going to go on a plate or in a box somewhere along that that point of um, check, I would be involved in. And looking forward and and seeing where things were going, I knew the cannabis was the next frontier. It was also you know something that I wanted to be you know seen more for its ability to be a plant and an ingredient in medicine and how do all those things intersect and then how do you really bring um this future in with so many different stakeholders and as i was having that thought process and and looking at what i wanted to do in it a mutual friend introduced me to rihanna and she was you know doing the same um Thinking around it, but we weren't really sure what that was going to look like, and we, you know, had a, a conversation that went on for our first one was was definitely um, over an hour, and then it just really morphed into what we thought was going to be um, originally a manufacturing company, and we were going to make these beautiful plant-based edibles, and really try to target um, the new and returning consumer into the market. You know, moms and um, older. Adults and people looking, you know, for a much um, more casual and maybe less alcohol involved experience, but also wanting something that was going to be somewhat predictable and not um, overly medicated. And yeah, you know, what we found very quickly was the the fast forward. If you think six years ago. Um, yeah, the, this was when the first oil extracts that were coming um, available that didn't have any odor to them so that they could be used. We were just seeing the beginnings of nanotechnology and water solubles. And we saw a huge amount of unpredictability. And it kind of just immediately made us stop and say, wait a second, we come from a world of food safety. We come from a world of manufacturing and good manufacturing practices. And we knew that right away, the consumer was going to need, and not just the consumer, but the distributor and the retailer all along the the supply chain, we're going to need the same practices that we have in every other industry. And so we really set out very quickly to establish what that looks like. And what I'm I'm talking about is when you say something is certified organic or you say it's certified non-GMO or you're a B Corp, there's a set of criteria that you need to, to go through and validate. And there's also some link back to your certificates of analysis and your lab testing. And so we created a true dose first, which is for cannabis, and then we added HGMP in 2019. And these standards are are before um, ASTM right now being peer review, but it's also really that culture of safety that we have been advocates for. So the biggest um, part of our relationship and our company is really about um, uniting all of us together to make sure that the products that come into the marketplace are safe and reliable. And especially now, since we don't have federal legalization ahead of FDA, so that we are driving these guidelines and standards.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So my next question was going to be how you two found each other. So um, when you found out that you both have these uh, skill sets that crossed over, I mean, as as you just mentioned, cannabis is still federally illegal. Did either of you have any, you know, nervousness or worries about the stigma of being involved in this, you know, federally illegal as of right now industry?
0: Well, I can I can hop in first. Um, you know, uh, I have a very conservative family, and that was, you know. You know, talking to them about, hey, this is what I'm doing now, and are you going to be okay with that? Um, It was actually my my parents were like, oh, of course, this is California, of course you're going to work in this industry. (laughs) You're working agriculture, this makes sense. Um, My in-laws, I was a little bit worried. They're very, very conservative, but it was very similar. They said, oh, by by the time I was, you know, kind of coming forward that this is the industry that I was going to work work in. you know, the, the legalization effort had already been so well publicized and like the efforts from NCIA and other organizations had really started that, that process of normalizing that even my very conservative in-laws were, you know, they're like, okay, well, this makes sense. I've heard there's a lot of money that, that you can make in this. And it makes sense (laughs) that they need rules and yes, you should go and do that. So, um, you know, I was nervous at first, um, just to, you know, have to deal with family drama, but I was very pleasantly surprised.
3: Phew, what a relief. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Mine Uh, was
1: not as bad because my family, you know, really Has always been forward thinking, and and again, you know, just the nature of the work that I had always been putting forward. You know, I was way ahead of the curve in having an online meal service, and I was way ahead of the curve in um, working with companies that were, you know, moving into plant based foods. You know, some of the early adapters in in the um, almond milks and almond milk cheeses, and then in cultured meats, and so it wasn't that far out to go. Um, this direction. I think the hardest part that we really struggled with, um, especially once we created our company, was really uniting the food and beverage world with the cannabis world. You know, initially people were just, no, Meryl, we're not going to talk about it. And then all of a sudden in 2018 and 2019, you saw this huge push of CBD everywhere and it, mm-hmm. it overcame the natural products world. And then all of a sudden you had, um, the the vaping crisis and we were front and center you know uniting those two conversations because everybody knew that we were working in it and they knew we had a voice and we were already established in um, in our careers to to be able to to be able to be looked at right away for leadership
3: awesome excellent all right let's hop into our first commercial break here and then we'll come back and take a deeper dive into all this so stay tuned everyone we'll be right back.
2: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Sweet sativa, get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on cannabisradio.com. All right,
3: we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with NCIA, talking with a couple of our members from Trace Trust. So let's begin by talking about some of the unfortunate failures that cannabis manufacturers can experience just by not having a deep enough understanding of standards. And you both mentioned these are standards that are applied to other industries. It's it's standard standards are standard. <laughs> so let's let's talk about. Um, some of the failures that that are common that can be experienced by cannabis manufacturers specifically, Meryl.
1: Yeah, I'm going to point to because one of the things that we um, get on a weekly basis is um, the compliance um, reports from the state of California, and you know it's there. There's multiple thousands um, of products that are tested every week and there's multiple licenses being issued and a lot of them um, are getting also tagged for various um, situations but the you know the most common things that we see is obviously in potency because again All that's being really um, focused on today is concentrations of THC and CBD. We see a lot of failure in labels. Um, So again, and that can be anything from the weight. So the weights and means people care very deeply. If it says 4.0 ounces and it is um, 3.9 ounces, you're in trouble. If it's 4.1 ounces, you're fine. So you know, there's a lot of things around that. I also want to um, have Rhiannon chime in on this because it goes a little deeper than just why it fails. It's it's the whole process behind it.
3: Rhiannon, uh, it sounds like Meryl wanted you to expand on that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So let me just like give an example. Say somebody makes a, a product and, it you know, it has blueberries in it, all right? Blueberry, blueberries are great, and they're a little superfood. They are delicious. Who doesn't want a blueberry, you know, muffin? But blueberries might also be associated with really high pesticide loads that can cause your product to be non-compliant. And so. When you Mm. know that one of your non-cannabis ingredients is risky, you need to, you know, really moderate how you use that and what percentages and what's your safety, what's your safety uh, measures against having those non-cannabis ingredients be the ones that are causing you problems. So everybody was, you know, really honed in, especially at the beginning of in California and in, you know, Colorado, all these states was very honed in, in their cannabis and their cannabis ingredients, you know, so much testing went into those ingredients, but not necessarily the same supply chain, um, scrutiny for the other ingredients. And, you know, one of Mm. the other thing, yeah. One of the other things that we see is when you're a cannabis manufacturer, um, a lot of times you're still kind of in, like smaller production, right? You're not necessarily like at a full factory level. And so your ingredients that you're purchasing week by week are going to be very different. And so standardizing the ingredients that you get week by week is a really big deal into standardizing your product Mm. that you make week to week. And that's where we really saw people struggling is not, you know, they say, well, we're following our recipe. Exactly. Why is it not turning out? Why is it so variable? Why is it not turning out the same way based on what we're putting in? Hmm. We have to really dig down to a deeper level and say, okay, you're following your recipe, but are your ingredients actually the same week by week? And that's where we, were, we really been able to shed some light on what's going on and help people really tap into, you know, different, different suppliers and wholesalers to get a little bit more stable base for their product. And that makes a big difference for them.
3: Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, And the cannabis industry, I think, considers itself a bit of a wellness industry, right? So when we're consuming cannabis in any form, we always want it to do good for our for our customers and not cause harm, of course. Um, So staying compliant, and having a good understanding of these standards, of food safety and gosh, GMPs, good manufacturing processes, is something all of our committees have been really focused on the last year and a half, I wanna say, if not longer. Th- that's part of the solution here, correct?
0: Right. Yeah, no, one of the biggest parts of the solution is really just understanding how your process works in your own manufacturing process and then really. Everything's about standardization. Standardize that and do it the same over and over again. Mm-hmm. Take out that variability. And um, what a third party audit does for you is it gives you like a report card how standardized is your process? And you know, the higher your grade on that test, the more standardized your process is, the more reliable your product is. So that's where really understanding that. It's not enough to do it perfectly one time. You have to do it perfectly every time and mm-hmm. understand where where can you um, where can you afford a little variability and where can you absolutely not afford variability? and really just understanding your own process end to end. And then, you know, it's, oh, we really believe in having some, uh, an organization come and double check to make sure your process is as stable as you think it is, because that's how you get that independent assessment of really how well you're doing.
3: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. If the recipe says eight blueberries goes into that muffin, put eight blueberries in there, right? Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, speaking of organizations, um, the FDA, does not have any oversight yet over the cannabis industry. Um, But as an industry, uh, from the inside out, we're looking to the future. And we are getting our ducks in a row now to prepare for that. So let's let's get a little more into the benefits that um, a cannabis manufacturer would experience, for example, by going ahead and embracing food safety standards, GMPs and making their operations more sophisticated in this respect, even though it's not federally required yet by the FDA, just getting ahead of that.
0: Right, right. So I would say that we should all think about federal regulation as like the minimum standard <laughs> and we we want we want our products to be better than minimum standard so if you're trying to line up a contract say say you you process cannabis as an ingredient you're an extractor and you process it as an ingredient hey wouldn't you want your ingredient to be approved for you know a major food manufacturer well you're going to have to do gmp's you're going to have to have those gmp's certified because Mm. you know those major food manufacturers they don't trust their supply chain to just any old joe off the street they want to have validated suppliers and as you go into where there might be a situation where the FDA is coming to check out how you're doing, you want to have that confidence that you've already way surpassed their expectations because you've already met the expectations of these other more strict and more scrutinous organizations.
3: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Just just preparing for the The maximum I like how you said that the federal is the minimum and we should think of it that way, Um, not the be all end all so when the feds do get involved in cannabis when we legalize federally. I yes i'd love them to open the door and say wow you all are doing above and beyond what's necessary great job and in this. This allows for supplier confidence. This allows for consumer confidence. All these things are so important, of course. Um, We're about to take our next commercial break, but when we come back, I I just really want to underscore the importance of this collaboration and the education um, and taking the wisdom from these other industries, as you've mentioned, and cannabis with the manufacturing There is a lot of food safety crossover, absolutely for sure. Okay, let's take that second commercial break and then we'll come right back to wrap up our episode. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
2: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
1: Elevate your everyday with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies.
2: get informed get inspired and get connected with more of ncia's cannabis industry voice only on cannabisradio.com
3: all right we're back on ncia's cannabis industry voice on cannabis radio if you're just joining us i'm your host bethany and i'm chatting with a couple members from ncia who are very involved in our committees the risk management and insurance committee and the hemp committee And as I was alluding to earlier in the episode, all of these NCIA committees built of our members are really setting the stage for more sophistication, more education on these issues like good manufacturing processes and food safety through the blogs and through podcast interviews like this as well. And both of you are, are on these various committees. So I wonder if you could take a second uh, to just talk a little bit about what it's like collaborating with other industry professionals, um, with with the goal of of raising the industry in, in order to benefit everyone from the operators to the consumers. Merrill, can you speak on that?
1: Such yeah, a great question. Um, it's been such a, a wonderful opportunity because it is a national organization and we're really coming together to do good and and with that um you know i had the privilege over these last few years to really interact with a variety of different committees for different reasons so when i was the chair of the education committee the first year that it was added and we worked really hard on Um, collaborating on curriculums for community colleges, and it's so great to see that that has finally come to fruition. So it's really about as more uh, people are looking at cannabis for a career or for transitioning from a more traditional industry into it, this has been a great, excuse me, opportunity for that to happen. And you know, secondly, behind that part on just the education, where we, one of the other things that each committee is working on, and now we even have a multi um, group working group happening, is around nomenclature because we not only all talk about things differently, but if we as this national organization can't define all of the same words in the same way, then how do we expect the consumer to do that? So, this overarching about Um, how we communicate and how we we bring this out to the public is has been phenomenal and then joining the risk um, committee is even um, more interesting because I'm probably the only member that's not a lawyer an insurance agent or an accountant and Um, And we also have a a software person. So there's the tech person on there. But it's been fantastic in our ability to really dig into what is the future around risk? How do you define risk management? And how do you you plan for the future of product liability, officers and directors? Workmen's comp you know all of these things are so interrelated and then the overall part of policy you know how do we um, really affect policy making first on a state level but then on a national level which is coming very quickly and it's got to be just beyond um, banking because we have so many again we have to 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 think about how we're gonna not only be with FDA, but USDA, you know, we're, we're, you know, and this differentiation between hemp and cannabis and just, you know, there's a, so much knowledge because for such a long time, the stigma around this being a drug and a gateway and, you know, these old stoner cultures, they're, they're quickly moving away, but we still have such a long way of really, you know, bringing this plant's um, capabilities forward.
3: Right, right. We are moving away from reefer madness and uh, into more sophisticated uh, information and topics about this. And speaking of education, um, by the time this episode goes to air, I will be preparing to get on a plane to head to Detroit for NCIA's Midwest Cannabis Business Conference, which, Merrill, you'll be there too, I believe. I think you're involved in our education panels. Uh, I believe you're speaking on Thursday, September 23rd. Uh, in the afternoon. So tickets are still available. Of course, uh, head to MidwestCannabisBusinessConference.com. We have some great keynote speakers there. We've got Megatron and Rob Sims from the NFL, who will be keynoting um, at the event as well. So join us at the Midwest Cannabis Business Conference. And of course, uh, just around the corner in December, Uh, will be in San Francisco at the Cannabis Business Summit, our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. Of course, we weren't able to hold this event in the year 2020 or any events, really. Um, We are really looking forward to slowly and safely and carefully getting back to the business of trade shows and conferences and education in person. Um, So everyone stay safe and Uh, let's, let's slowly but surely head back into, um, whatever the post COVID world is going to look like. So I look forward to seeing you there at the Midwest cannabis business conference, Merrill. And as we're just out of time here, um, where can our audience learn more about the work trace trust is up to? Um,
1: you can go to our website, TraceTrust.com, and that's T R A C E T R U S T com. Um, you can also reach us at info at tracetrust.com and we are always um, available to answer questions. Perfect. Well,
3: thank you both. Thank you, Rhiannon, for being on the show today and thanks to our audience for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you.